Welcome to Onside, the official podcast from the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority. Our mission is to protect the health of athletes and the integrity of Australian sport. Hello and welcome to Onside, I'm Tim Gable and today we're looking at anti-doping education. Drug-Free Sport New Zealand has a very proactive program engaging with sports and athletes. Joining us today from Drug-Free Sport New Zealand is their education manager, Sean Clancy. And Sean, welcome to Australia. Welcome to Asada. Thank you for having me. Just having a look at the philosophy, uh, you like to get them quite young, don't you? And, and in terms of education, that's that's the way that it seems to be going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we very much um, support um clean athletes and clean sport and part of that is making sure that uh, when they are developing the lens through which they decide to you know be an athlete um, their behaviours in sport that sort of thing we want to give them information at that stage um, so that hopefully as they develop they develop as a clean athlete and they make decisions from the start that are aligned with that. Yes because I guess in the past we've looked at educating athletes when they come through the ranks but they're talking now that 15 might be too late to to get into the minds of an athlete that, you know, you, you've really got to watch what you eat, drink, and make sure you don't make the wrong ethical decisions. Well, absolutely. And given that athletes are using supplements um, younger and younger now, and oftentimes to enhance performance, um, it's really important that they uh, start making more informed decisions and and know that, you know, they have a strong decision-making process um, when they do so. So it's not just a, I'm going to grab that, quickly you know that's on special or my mates using that it, it would be great if we could actually uh, educate them on uh, how do I make a good decision how do I make an informed decision um, and if I'm going to use one if, if I've gone through a process of eliminating as many risks as I can then that's a real positive so the, the earlier we can get those messages ingrained then the better. How, how young do you start educating in New Zealand? Um, so we currently have a, um, a program in secondary schools which we deliver and um, that begins at year nine, so it's about 13 years old uh, in New Zealand. Um, but more recently, uh, intermediate schools have been requesting that as well. So that's 11 and 12-year-old athletes. 11 and 12? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's usually the response? Do they have an idea of right and wrong in terms of supplements? Uh, it's quite interesting. A lot of them don't don't know yet that there are risks involved, Um some of the conversations we have, though, are more around um, their awareness that they don't actually need them. A lot of them haven't gone through a, a thought process of, do I need that or not? So that's that, for me, is one of the interesting things. And if we can instill in them that question of, well, do I actually need it? Um, sometimes that's that's kind of the first step to creating some awareness around that. Sean, central to what you do are your workshops. Do you have athletes um, performing those education messages or how do you do them? Yeah, so we have a number of approaches, um, but our main one is that we have an athlete-driven education program. Um, so the workshop material itself is now being uh, informed by athletes. So I'm working closely with athletes to to hear more about what do they want to hear, how do they want to hear it, um, and then what are some delivery methods which they would like to engage with. So that's in the development process. Um, after that, when we're actually out there delivering our workshops, uh, we now have a team of athlete educators. So it's athletes speaking to athletes, uh, and that's our preferred approach. Um, and, yeah, as part of that, they they interact with them in different ways based on the audience. So sometimes that's really interactive and it's getting 
senior athletes um, using peer learning to help the younger athletes in the team or more junior athletes. Um, and other times it's interactive games and activities, um, role plays, all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's a lot of different options that we have up our sleeves that they have been informed by our athletes. Do you find that athletes that are being educated listen more to athletes that are currently in the business, so to speak? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I think uh, sometimes there, there is a place for a technical um, expertise to be required. Um, so typically when athletes have had more education, they have more advanced questions where they want to know about things like an athlete biological passport and all that sort of thing. So sometimes there's a need for the technical expertise, um, but oftentimes when it's just more general anti-doping education, particularly when it's your first um, or initial education opportunity, there's definitely um, greater interaction for sure, um, greater engagement, and we've found better retention of key messages when we use athletes as our educators. You've been in the ASADA building for a couple of days now, yeah. just learning, I guess, what ASADA does. Is there something that ASADA does that you think, well, we can take that back to New Zealand? Yeah, absolutely. We've, I've actually um, been collaborating with the education team here for about five years. Um, but one thing that um, we've done more so in the past couple of days, uh, definitely a couple of months leading up to this trip, um, has been to kind of identify our, our real similarities so we can kind of work together to strengthen those. Um, so, for example, our e-learning programs, we, we use a, plat a similar platform. Um, we can build things around our key messages um, really, sorry, much more um, efficiently and with greater expertise when we do it together. We don't have in-house uh, e-learning expertise, so we outsource that. Um, so what is awesome here is that we literally can get everyone around the table and work together to um, make make content which has got all of our all of our heads in the game. We all come from different backgrounds and we've all got different experiences. So getting that all together to strengthen our key messages and make awesome stuff which is innovative and and all that all that kind of um, different approach. It's been really good to get around the table and do that. Um, we also are lucky in the, in the sense that a lot of our athletes come to Australia from New Zealand and vice versa. So we have a lot of um, similarities in the people that we're actually educating. So for our messages to be aligned and for our approaches to be similar, um, I think only strengthens uh, clean sport for both of our countries, but hopefully internationally as well. Given rugby is such a big sport in New Zealand, do you, do you find that if you can get the message right to rugby, uh, given they are such role models, in New Zealand, do you find that that helps your cause a bit? Uh, I think uh, definitely because they are they are such strong role models, and we have really good support from clean clean athletes uh, in rugby in terms of our work um, and the work of clean sport more generally. Um, so that definitely flows through to junior players. Um, I think uh, due to the fact that a lot of our face-to-face uh, -face content delivery is actually to rugby, they would be our biggest audience by far. Um, they provide a really good platform for us to um, develop strong uh, team sport, particularly uh, team sport messaging and approaches in our workshops. Um, but yeah, definitely we, we educate from uh, secondary school level, first 15, right through to our international level athletes in rugby. So it's a really strong program at all levels of their pathway. Yes, I guess if you've got an all black saying, don't take supplements, it certainly flows down to other other athletes, especially young rugby players. How, how did you get involved in drug-free drug sport New Zealand? Um, so I uh, have a master's in education and my um, background is, is as an athlete, as a coach and, and through sport, just more generally. 
Uh, so prior to um, being here, I was working at a national sporting organisation. Um, so I was involved with anti-doping from that perspective, from an NSO uh, perspective, uh, and had a lot of experience, obviously, with the athletes that I worked with there, um, kind of more on the ground, you know, how does it actually play out um, after a game, all that sort of thing. Um, and I've always had a real passion for clean sport um, and for uh, just eliminating any type of cheating, to be honest. It's always got um, <laughs> it's got my back up a bit whenever I've um, been aware of any kind of cheating. And so um, it's something that I was really passionate about. I'm a very values-based uh, type person. So um, it aligned well for me when I saw that there was a job in education um, around anti-doping in New Zealand, uh, and it was an, a nationwide program. So I knew that um, whatever I did in this space, I'd be working with different sports, different athletes, uh, different support people, schools. You know, it was really working with the um, environment that I really love to be in. So there was a lot of things that appealed to it. Yeah, quite personal. Yes, definitely. Uh, and I think that's what um, keeps my passion going for finding better ways to do what we do all the time. Sean, thanks very much for joining us on Onside. No worries. Thank you. Sean Clancy from Drug Free Sport New Zealand. She's the education manager there. Back with more with Onside in just a moment. This is Onside, the official podcast of ASADA. Hello and welcome back to Onside. I'm Tim Gavel. Time now for So I Was Wondering, where ASADA staff answer questions from the public. And today's question is, are contraceptive medicines allowed in sport? And to answer the question, Dr Naomi Spears, ASADA's Chief Science Officer, well, Naomi, um, are contraceptive medicines allowed in sport? The commonly used contraceptive medicines, such as a contraceptive pill or implant, are not prohibited in sport. It's a wise question from athletes to check the status of the medicines that they're using. What about injections? Uh, commonly used contraceptive injections are not prohibited either, but athletes need to be um, aware of some limitations around the volumes of injections that are allowed. Do you find this a random question? It's something sort of out of the, out of the blue, a question like this? It's not a common question specifically about contraceptives, but we're always fielding questions from athletes about the medications that they're using, and we're very happy to answer those. Do you find there is a rise in the number of people, number of athletes coming to ASADA, asking questions about what they can and can't use? We probably have a constant stream of questions. A lot of athletes are using the online tool, Global Drow, which is excellent, but we also receive a steady stream of questions from athletes about their medications. Tell us about Global Drow. What does it do and how can athletes and people interested in, I guess, just working out what they can and can't take. Tell us about Global Drow. Global Drow is an online tool. It's a partnership between ASADA um, and some international partners, including the US, the UK, Japan, um, and now New Zealand. And it's a tool where you can check a medication and see whether it's allowed in sport or not. So you simply follow, like Google Global Drow or follow the links from the ASADA website um, and enter the name of your medication and it will provide you advice about whether that medication is allowed in sport or prohibited. So effectively you could do it at a shop when you're going to buy it or a chemist uh, or, or a doctor's surgery. You can sort of dial it up and determine whether or not it is legal. Absolutely. You can get an answer straight away. You can also access it through the ASADA app. Oh, that's great. How did you get involved in clean, fair sport, anti-doping? How did you become involved with ASADA? I started with ASADA about four years ago um, when an employment opportunity came up that looked really interesting to me, an opportunity uh, to apply the skills and knowledge and experience that I had to a different 
field. Where had you come from? I'd come from uh, Federal Police Forensic Services. So it's totally different, isn't it? Totally different, but in the same way, um, a similar interaction between science and regulation and how science can guide and assist regulation. And I guess part of your role is to determine almost forecast things that might be coming up in the future. Yeah, we're always scanning the environment to see what are emerging substances that athletes might be using or what are potential changes in the market and how could we better inform athletes about those. You mentioned there a moment ago Global Dro and the collaboration with other countries. That That's also part of your brief and very much an important phase, isn't it? A, an important part of what ASADA does. Absolutely. And anti-doping is an international system and it's important for ASADA and for me in my science area to be um, coordinating with my colleagues overseas um, so that we're aware of what's happening in their countries, sharing our knowledge and expertise and uh, levelling the international playing field. And it's enjoyable? It's a, it's a challenge for you? It's absolutely a challenge. Always changing different questions every day, um, a great opportunity to constantly uh, be thinking about new things and how they can be applied and how my science can be applied in that field. Naomi, thanks very much for joining us today on Onside. My pleasure. That was uh, Dr Naomi Spears, SADA's Chief Science Officer. More with Onside in just a moment. Time now for a fast fact. As part of the sample collection process, the penalty for refusing to provide a sample upon a valid request may be the same as providing a sample that contains a prohibited substance. You've been listening to Onside, the official podcast of the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority. Send in your podcast questions or suggestions to executiveoffice at asada.gov.au. For more information about clean, fair sport, visit our website, asada.gov.au, or check out our Clean Sport app.